Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, November 18th, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week. Uh, It's been a very busy last couple of weeks, last month, really. Uh, We had full gear last Saturday. I was at the big event on Sunday, which was a shit show, but I got to meet Brian Danielson, which was cool. Um, That was on Sunday. I'll be at SmackDown tomorrow, confirmed. Looking forward to that. And I may be at Survivor Series on Sunday alongside Alexis and Mr. Marceau. We will soon see, but there's a lot going on. We're going to be talking a lot about Survivor Series in full gear here in today's show. No Raw review, no Dynamite review. We haven't even watched it yet as of this recording, um, but all of that will be coming here on today's show. In addition to my exclusive interview with one of the members of Team SmackDown on Sunday for the men, Drew McIntyre, who we've had here on the show before. He's an, always an awesome interview. A uh, great guy talking all things Survivor Series and so much more. That's going to be coming up here on today's show as well. Uh, next week, I'll probably put it up here on the show, but it will be dropping first on YouTube.com backslash Graham and Matthews. My interview with the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, the man herself. Uh, my first time chatting with her. She was awesome yesterday. So that's going up tomorrow on YouTube in audio form and an article form over on Bleacher Report. So check that out. This interview will also be up in article form at some point over at DailyDDD.com. So keep an eye out for that in the coming days. Um, but this is the full unedited interview with Drew talking all things Survivor Series and a lot more. And that's in addition to all the other interviews I've done in the last couple of weeks, on um, the last week or so. I talked to Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche, two iconic voice actors, the voices of uh, Pinky and the Brain, among many other memorable, uh, iconic cartoon characters. I uh, talked to them a few weeks ago. The interview went up this past Monday on the channel, so check that out. In addition to the entire cast, or not the entire, but a lot of the members of the cast of Psych 3, This Is Gus, out today on Peacock talking to the executive producers, the creator of Psych, uh, Chris Hens and Steve Franks. Again, the creator of Psych, as well as the executive producer for the movie and the show and whatever. Uh, we got uh, Corbin Burnson, the father, Henry Spencer, from the show and the movie. Uh, I was able to talk to him. Alan Maldonado, the main heel from the movie, so to speak, as well as from the show Heels. We got Maggie Lawson, who plays Jules in the Psych universe, and James Roday Rodriguez himself, Sean Spencer. So, got a lot of great interviews coming on that front in the weeks to come, days to come, whatever it might be. So, keep an eye out for that over at youtube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. So, here without further ado, here's my exclusive interview with Drew McIntyre ahead of Survivor Series this coming Sunday. All right, what's going on, guys? Graham G.S. and Matthews here with Fansat at Daily DDT. And ahead of Survivor Series this coming Sunday, we're talking with one of the members of Team SmackDown, Drew McIntyre, one of the new faces of Friday Nights. Drew, what's going on, my man? Uh, what's not going on? It's been a wild <laughs> couple of weeks. Been in the UK for a tour. Just jumped over from Budapest, Budapest to Nashville, where I live. And I'm getting a flight tonight to head to Brooklyn for Survivor Series week. And I am buzzing. 
Dude, I can tell. I saw your tweet with all the late, uh, various locations of where you've been. It's wild. And you, I don't know if you just mentioned this, but the MTA, even EMA Awards as well a couple of days ago, right? So, yeah, that's what I was in Budapest for. That was a lot of fun. That's the cool thing about being a WWE superstar. We get some unique opportunities <laughs> to represent <laughs> the company when it's apparent I'm doing the air quotations work. But it's such a cool thing to be part of and uh, shows the global reach of WWE that they want WWE to be part of such a big event. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. You got to host the thing, right? I got to present the Best Rock Award, okay. which is my favorite category. So that was uh, pretty cool to go up there, do a little speech um, in my kilt in front of the world. <laughs> and, I saw the picture, uh, yeah. Present the award to. I have to get this right. I keep pronouncing their name wrong. Everyone says main skin, skin, but I believe it's monoskin. I got it right when I was presenting the award on stage because during every interview during the day, I kept mispronouncing their name, but I got it right when it counted. <laughs> exactly. As long as you get it right when it matters most, that's all that matters. But that's pretty cool, man. How did that compare to like everything else you've done as part of like the media? I mean, being on top for the last almost two years now. How did that compare to every other experience you've had? Great, because most other stuff I've done was virtual. So outside the ring stuff I was looking forward to doing, you know, I was fairly limited. There was some cool stuff I got to do virtually, uh, but now the world's opening back up. You know, as busy as my schedule's been recently, I wouldn't change a thing. Like I always said, give me the John Cena schedule. If anyone knows anything about John, yep. he was nonstop, so busy all the time. And I told him I wanted the same and I meant it. And I feel so fortunate to be able to, you know, get a taste of that now, but especially after the world shutting down and getting out there and representing the company and representing myself, there's been such a buzz and to, you know, get told afterwards that, you know, the company and WWE are happy, but also the company we're working with are happy too. It's what it's all about and feels pretty good. Yeah, no, it's been awesome to see for me as a fan too, because it's cool to see you in the position that you're in still. Because like when you're the WWE champion, it's expected, but you haven't held a title in a while and you're still killing it with all the media and the appearances and everything else. Because sometimes people win the big one and then they fall off and it, you know, it is what it is. But it seems like you're one of the rare few to have maintained this main event status and still feel like one of the biggest stars on the show, whether you're the champion or not, which is a great spot to be in. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, the way I see it is just... You know, never uh, get content, treat every day like day one. You know, it's one thing to get to the top of the mountain, but it's a whole other ball game to stay. And I learned that with all the ups and downs of my life and career, and I know it could all go away tomorrow. So mm -hmm. anything I get, any interview I was talking right now, I want to give it my 100%, and it doesn't come from a manufactured place. I feel so uh, fortunate. I'm just literally talking about myself in WWE. How can anyone consider that work? So <laughs> any day I get to do it, I'm very, very lucky. <laughs> No, that's cool, man. I love that attitude. And we're going to the Survivor Series on Sunday, obviously an event you're very familiar with, which we'll get to in a second. But looking at the lineup for Team SmackDown, they haven't outright said this, but do you consider yourself the captain for this team? Well, if you would ask Xavier Woods, he would say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But, you know, I was announced you know, first. And, um, you know, I've got a history of, of being captains. If you, if you look throughout my career, especially outside of WWE, you know, uh, there's been a few few different companies that I've had to lead the company to glory over other companies. And uh, so I've got experience, experience in that area. But, you know, I'm not saying able to see how, how things fall on the night. But, uh, yeah, Old Woodsy, like, I think, came to a compromise where he gets to be king 
where his little crown in the background making the tactics and I'll lead the charge as <laughs> captain and first knight. <laughs> as long as you guys can coexist, right? I guess that's the main thing. Yes, really. that's what it's all about in WWE. We have to coexist. <laughs> exactly. Are we coexisting? Can we coexist? We say coexist 55 times. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll hear that quite a bit on Sunday, so I look forward to that. But we're speaking on Tuesday. We still got Friday uh, in SmackDown. I'll actually be there in Hartford on Friday. I'm looking forward to it. But we got one more member to be announced because Sammy was taken out the team by Jeff Hardy last week. So if you look at the current landscape of SmackDown, and now it's hard to keep track on who's on what show. We just had the draft and whatnot. But to your knowledge of who's on SmackDown currently, who would you like to see take that final spot for the blue brand? We've got so many talented people on SmackDown. Um, Especially guys that have wrestled recently in Open Challenge, like Ali and Ricochet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cesaro's there somebody that I've never wrestled in a one-on-one match I'm looking forward to getting in the ring with but if I had to pick somebody and he's been off the show for a while and dealing with his uh, many 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 nose surgeries <laughs> uh, somebody that I've got a long history with currently we're at odds but we're always fighting each other mm-hmm. but I know how dangerous he is I would probably pick Seamus as the last person on the team just because I know how physical and dangerous he is and putting us together we would rip apart the opposition and as long as we win after the match chances are we'd end up fighting each other but all that matters is getting the win on the night for the team yeah exactly I mean it, it, it's a win-win in the sense that you guys have chemistry you guys work well together again you're at odds currently but as long as you guys again it goes back to that keyword coexist that's all that matters so you got to bring the star power to team smackdown but for you yeah, we did it once before also yeah uh, yeah exactly yeah, I was going to say, so we'll go right into that. We'll talk about that for a second. Your first Survivor Series, Survivor Series 2009. Yourself, Sheamus, Miz, all men who went on to become world champions. You know, Sheamus a month later, you a decade later, Miz a couple of years later. Very cool. Um, so, And also, not only that, but a few years ago, I think, Team Raw, you were a sole survivor as well. Following year, you became world champion. So talk a little bit about your relationship with the Survivor Series. Not only the pay-per-view itself, because last year you had the match with Roman and it was awesome. Um, but like the match itself. Survivor Series elimination matches and your successes in those yeah um, I mean I hadn't really thought about those other matches but yeah it sounds like I've had a pretty good success <laughs> at Survivor Series um, so let's hope that I can keep that going going into Sunday like I know everybody's talking about like uh, what's at stake and you really you know, care about the brand you're on considering you were on the other brand literally a few weeks before namely yeah. Team Raw um, but for me, it's more about like individual dragon rights and building momentum. Mm-hmm. Like I know um, if I happen to be one of the sole survivors um, of Team SmackDown, that just goes into my building momentum, building equity, building a legitimate reason why I should fight Roman Reigns someone's on top of the world right now. Mm-hmm. As much as I've heard people say that during Roman, that's obviously the match that's going to happen and happen quick. I'm the first one to say... Let's pump those bricks. You know, he's no matter how he's won his matches, he's been dominating for a very long time now. Been in such an incredible run. And I've had a couple of big matches not go my way. So I want to start from the beginning. I'm a patient man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my time in. We're 52 weeks a year, and I want to build as much momentum as I possibly can. And that includes being a survivor um, for SmackDown and Survivor Series. And that's what it's all about. It's, mm-hmm. Even though it's team glory, it's also at the same time individual glory. 
because you're building your stock on your brand. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and I'm glad you put it that way too. And it's cool because Survivor Series, you know, we always talk about the Rumble being the kickoff to Road to WrestleMania, the official kickoff, but Survivor Series isn't really too much far behind. So this is where the momentum kind of starts to begin to build and whatnot. Uh, you mentioned Roman, obviously that's a match that people want to see. It's going to happen again at some point. It's more a matter of when than if, whether it's over a championship or not. Ideally, hopefully so. Is that the match you want for WrestleMania, or is it a Sheamus because you guys didn't have the chance to do it earlier this year? Is there any one opponent in mind that you got your sights set on for Mania next year? Who I guess whoever the champion is, right? Yeah, the answer is whoever the champion is. If it is Roman, that's the match I want. If Sheamus manages to get himself in and win the championship after uh, been a few years not being champion, then I want him. If I'm the champion against WrestleMania, then happy days. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, right. But realistically, it's all about being in that title match. And uh, you know, as you say, that match with Roman is going to happen if it does take until Mania to get him. You know, I want to keep building that momentum to make that match as big as possible and not just do it because everyone says, all right, that's the match we kind of won right now. So yep. No, look where he's at right now. Let's get McIntyre as big as possible, make that match as big as possible. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's only going to be that much more the longer we wait to see it, which is cool. But going back to Survivor Series 09, not only was it your Survivor Series debut, you represented SmackDown that night as well, I believe. And you were the sole survivor. I mean, it wasn't Raw versus SmackDown at that point, but I think you were the sole survivor for the SmackDown side of things back at that point. So it's kind of going full circle going into Sunday. Yeah, it's, you know, career is very much gone full circle. Been drafted to uh, SmackDown yeah. initially when I got drafted. I remember like turning to one of the writers, going, you know, "I feel like <clears throat> I feel like a traitor right now." To be honest, like <laughs> back to WWE. Obviously, I was with NXT, um, and then when I returned to um, you know Raw, I started with Dolph. Started kind of trying to find myself. You know, got in a good little run, but still. You know, there's something missing. The final piece of the puzzle wasn't there. And it happened on Raw. And I got on my run, became champion, became the face of Raw. And two-time WWE champion, really. You know, when you thought Drew McIntyre, you thought Raw were synonymous with each other. And that's what felt like home. Mm-hmm. And then I got drafted. I was like, oh, okay. And once <laughs> I thought about it, you know, really started wrapping my head around things. I thought about where I started. And it was all SmackDown, SmackDown. I remember chatting Bleed Blue when I was a kid. And I was part of SmackDown in my early 20s. <laughs> and the chosen one thing. And obviously things didn't work out. So that's a part of my history um, I'd like to make right. And if you ever watched the show Quantum Leap back in the day with Dr. Mm-hmm. Sam Beckett, putting things right where once went wrong, that's kind of what it's like for me right now is putting that piece of history right. It didn't go uh, very well in early 20s. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And you're kind of uh, righting those wrongs, like you said, on the blue brand. Was, was it something that you were pushing for to be back on SmackDown? I mean, obviously on Raw, you would have had success either way. But going into the draft, was that something you were hoping to end up on SmackDown to kind of close out that chapter, that went that unfinished business from a decade ago? Honestly, I never really thought about it too much. Mm-hmm. I just, for some reason in my mind, uh, just being there's been a couple of drafts since I've been back, I assumed I would still be on Raw. So I never thought too much about it until I was drafted to SmackDown. And then I was like, ooh, we really got to sit and think about this now. Okay, I've done pretty much as much as I can do on Raw, even though I knew there was more I could do. Sometimes good uh, to get a fresh coat of paint, uh, or paint a coat, or you want to say it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and like uh, I mentioned already, that is really coming full circle for Drew McIntyre. Um, and that is a part of my history that even though you know I was able to win the title and do everything I did on Raw, it was for myself, but it was for you know a lot of other people the company was going through and the world was going through some difficult times and I was kind of thinking about everyone else rather than my individual success. This time we're kind of thinking a little bit more about Drew McIntyre and that part of history that is kind of, you know, 
sore uh, that's mm-hmm. in my closet that I think about every so often that caused me a lot of uh, personal strife and anguish that I'm going to make right this time. Yeah, and, and it's cool too with SmackDown. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on SmackDown to accomplish, not only the opponents itself, but the Intercontinental Championship currently on SmackDown, the first title you held on the main roster in WWE. So to hold that again would be cool. The Universal Championship you never held, but if you were to go on to beat Roman for that belt, I think you would become the first person, or at least not the first, but the quickest person to have held the NXT, WWE, and Universal titles within like a four or five year stretch, which would be awesome. I did not know that. That would be awesome. <laughs> so hopefully, not to put the carriage before the horse, but we'll see you come on in the next couple of months, if not WrestleMania. Um, but speaking of Survivor Series, I know Xavier has talked about this before. It's a popular topic, but not many stakes with aside from the bragging rights. But if you are in charge of the Raw and SmackDown stuff, and you're the booker, so to speak, what are the stakes for Survivor Series? What would you like to see implemented in years to come with Survivor Series to make these matches even more meaningful than they already are? I thought Woods had an interesting pitch about the five on five matches of the the losing team would have a five on five match to see who were number numbers one to five in mm-hmm. the rumble. And the winning Survivor Series team would have a five a five way dance to figure out who was gonna be the last five in the rumble. And I thought that was a pretty cool idea. You know, like I say, like I'm more like more about thinking, you know, let's build momentum for individual superstars, but something like that makes the stakes so much higher. So, you know, Woods might be onto something. Doesn't make him team captain, of course. But <laughs> he, is, he is onto something with that idea, and that did catch my attention. I thought that was pretty good. I concur. That would be a great idea. So hopefully at some point we get to see that. But you, you talked earlier about the Open Challenge is kind of taking a different path to the Universal Championship as opposed to just showing up on SmackDown and saying, I want a title shot, which is what we see a lot. So you're taking a bit of a different path, which is cool. Um, how have you noticed, you know, now, and we spoke for the first time six months ago around the time that your book came out, and a lot of people, that was around like the time that you were still feuding with Bobby over the WWE title. The fan reception was a little different because people get sick of seeing the same person in the title picture for more than two months. I mean, I, I guess that is what it is um but how have you noticed that reaction and reception a little bit different because you haven't been in the main event title mix obviously with the big east stuff recently you were but consistently haven't been for six months and it seems like that quote-unquote backlash if you want to even call it that has died down quite a bit since the spring yeah i'm always pleasantly surprised when the the start hits at the beginning of my music and i hear like all those cheers because i spent so many years as a bad guy Mm-hmm. and most of the time I'd get booze or kind of like a mix or even lukewarm um, or barely anything, which is the worst one of all. <laughs> so I've had every kind of reaction you can possibly imagine, and it's like never lost on me. Like these days, I've noticed, um, you know, since we got the fans back, it was maybe a bit mixed in the first night, and then it was a bit up and down in the beginning um, to see where it's got to the point where it's basically all cheers when I come out all across the world. So we're getting to do these international tours and, you know, you'd expect it maybe in the UK. I am from there and probably mm-hmm. getting the louder cheers on the show. But to go to somewhere like, you know, Saudi Arabia and compete there and to, you know, hear the chants from the crowd and go, oh my goodness, like WWE truly is. Uh, we said we're global, but it's amazing just how many different countries we're featured in, how well they know the product and how well they're receiving Drew McIntyre. 
Yeah, no, it's awesome to see. And it obviously depends on the place, but it's been uh, great to see the reactions you've been getting since uh, the last couple of months, especially now being on SmackDown. And you mentioned the sword, too. When the sword hits, the place goes crazy. You mentioned before in other interviews, obviously the sword originally belonged to Vince, and now it's kind of yours, naming it Angela after your mother, which was really cool. Uh, you've had it ever since. It's um, We're coming up on, if not the one-year anniversary that you've been having it on WWE TV. Is there going to come a point where you have to give it back to Vince, or is, is he just going to let you keep it at this point? Uh, I don't believe it's the same sword. I don't want to ruin anyone's fantasies. <laughs> that was just was a stand-in initially uh, until we got uh, my own sword. Oh, okay. but, um, but I've had this one for a while. It's been a year to the day, exactly, I found out in the, my oh, last wow. interview. Um, awesome. Since I got the sword and did that entrance and, you know, funny uh, Easter egg. Since I'm going to give you some stuff for people to click on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you watch that entrance... My very first film when I wrestled Randy for the title and won my second WWE Championship. Uh, I was informed that our match wasn't for about another 20 minutes. So I was in the training room getting ready. We're at Tropicana, I want to say. No, no, it wasn't Tropicana because I would never have made it. I believe we were at the Amway. We were at a residency there because mm-hmm. I never would have made it to Gorilla. I was in the training room. I told her 20 minutes to my entrance. It was a brand new entrance. We had the sword deal. I was going to shut up the stage, set off the pyro show. And uh, I was putting on my tape, I did one wrist, and then I heard my music playing. And I turned to somebody and said, eh, that's weird, testing the music, and I went, no, that's your entrance. So I was misinformed. <laughs> I was actually up in like two minutes. <laughs> so I uh, sprinted all the way to the grill position for my entrance. Obviously, they're wondering where I am, and I make it clear that I, it's my new entrance. is like I can shout to them, I'm building anticipation right before I walk through the curtain. I walk through the curtain if you look closely I've only got one wrist tape on my wrist as I make that new entrance for the very first time mm-hmm. the reason being that I was misinformed by the referee that 20 minutes <laughs> when in fact I had 2 minutes and I had to run across the arena do my entrance and during commercial put on the other wrist tape <laughs> Oh, you would never know watching the show too because you went on to win the championship 15 minutes later so it's crazy how things work out Oh yeah, like that's the thing with WWE. Like people think they know, they have no idea what's going <laughs> backstage. There's wild back there. And this story is just coming out a year later after it initially happened. That's funny. Uh, last question for you, Drew, as you wind down here, going to the Survivor Series on Sunday. This is the third time I've talked to you. I talked to you back in May about your book, and over in August, over SummerSlam weekend, about the show itself. But I keep forgetting to ask you each time I've talked to you. Your theme song is so great. My girlfriend was wondering, it is. Is it a song that you listen to at the gym at all? Because it sounds like the perfect gym song. I know you've talked before about your original song. Uh, Broken Dreams you listen to that in the gym when you were first starting out what about your current theme because it sounds like a great song you can just crush it at the gym too yeah I use it more when I'm struggling like uh, if I've got a time like maybe today for example just being a little jet lagged mm-hmm. um, I'm probably going to train before I head to the airport tonight to head to Brooklyn and it's going to be a big back day with deadlifts so that's the kind of day where I'm struggling towards the end I'll throw that on to remind myself you know, not, it's not just because it's a Scottish bagpipes and it sounds cool. It's, Drew, you're about to be in your underpants. Get through this workout with the power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, it's perfect every time we hear it on WWE TV. We're going to be hearing it on Sunday as well. Survivor Series, uh, the latest WWE event coming at the Barclays Center. Sunday, November 21st, uh, Team SmackDown, Team Raw. Drew, you're a part of it. It's great talking to you, man. This is actually the 100th interview I've done this year, so I'm very happy I got the chance to have it be with you here today. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Congratulations on 100. And Oh, one last thing I forgot to say. I keep forgetting to tell everybody this. If they don't know already, WrestleMania tickets are available right now on SeatGeek. And the world's opening back up. It's going to be the first Mania. I'm excited about people coming all across the world to be back together in Mania. So get your tickets out to SeatGeek. 
Oh, I remember to say it, thank God. Anyway, thanks for having me on. Congratulations on 100 episodes. And uh, we'll do this again soon, I'm sure. I'm sure, Drew. I think I've spoken to you every three months for the last couple of months. So I look forward to you maybe talking again in February, right before WrestleMania 38. We'll see. Heck yeah. Hopefully I can do some damage at the Rumble and we'll be talking about it. <laughs> exactly. Thanks again, Drew, for the time. Always awesome talking. I'll catch you down the road. Thank you, buddy. Thanks to Drew for the time. Always great chatting with him. And now we throw it to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down full gear from Saturday and Survivor Series this coming Sunday. Mr. Marceau, brother, fresh off celebrating a birthday. How you doing? Doing well, GSM. How are you? Doing great. I asked you about this before we went live here, but how was the birthday on Tuesday? Oh, it was good. It was a nice low-key day, the way I like it. Nice low-key day. Any Survivor Series 03 action by any chance? I did not. I was busy all day. Yesterday, I tweeted about this, like, minute, literally minutes to midnight. I had to get the anniversary tweet in there. But yesterday, 19 years today from Survivor Series 02. Might have to fire that up before Survivor Series this weekend. Sounds amazing. Great show. Um, update on Survivor Series. I still have no idea what the fuck is going on this weekend. We're 72 hours out. So that's typically how WWE works. Um, I will give you an update as to whether... <laughs> I think it's a go, but I'm not 100% yet. Not 100% sure, but... You're going to get sick of seeing GSM after we saw you for Dynamite a few weeks ago. You came up for Full Gear last week, and I'm going to be getting more Marceau potentially on Sunday for Survivor Series, so we'll see how it shakes out. Anything's possible. Anything's possible, but we had Full Gear last week, and you visited for that. Uh, we did watch it in the movie theater, actually. Uh, that's what we were planning on doing, and you came on up to join us because Molly was at a bachelorette party, which was great, so... Opened up Mr. Marceau for the night, and we got you for the uh, Saturday Full Gear pay-per-view. But before we get into the show itself, so we haven't watched Dynamite yet. I thought I would be the only one. I thought you would have caught it last night or whenever before we talked right now. I mean, it's early on Thursday morning, but uh, we're actually in the same boat, which I like, that we have not yet seen Dynamite. I have seen absolutely nothing. I've stayed off of Twitter. Um, I'll probably be watching a little bit later on. Um, but we are going to be talking about Full Gear before getting into predictions for Survivor Series on Sunday. But as we break down Full Gear here, want to get your two cents uh, the movie theater experience, we were there for about four or five hours, including the kickoff show or the buy-in, whatever you want to call it, the pre-show, um, ended around 12 Eastern time, and obviously the first time, and my time as well, first time as well, watching one of these pay-per-views from a movie theater, so want to get your two cents on that, I haven't really gotten your thoughts on it yet, and if it would be something that you'd be interested in doing again down the road. Oh, it was, it was fun, I mean, it was definitely a different experience, like you said, um, just seeing it on the big screen. The only ca- the only thing I didn't like about it, and people are going to be like, why would you not like about it? By the end of the show, since it was so long, I had to like put my reclining seat down because I was literally about to start dozing off. <laughs> Those chairs are comfortable. I guess that's more of a show problem because it went so long, but like by the end, I had to put my seat, like my uh, leg, re- uh, leg, whatever you want to call it. Yep, yep, yep. Leg recliner down because I was literally about to fall asleep. Now, I know you watched All Out, um, you know, through the illegal gimmicks and whatever a couple of months ago. Did you have the same problem with that show and that you were falling asleep towards the end, or was it... I mean, I know that's a lot of these pay-per-views, because all these AEW pay-per-views are close to four hours, and Tony Khan just went on the record the other day and saying he's not going to change that. They're, they're going to remain four hours. Why not just start it an hour earlier? I don't know. Um, but has that happened to you before with you falling asleep towards the end, and did that specifically happen with All Out, which was the last pay-per-view you had before this one? I mean, it happens every time. I okay. usually fall asleep with my phone in my hand, and then I wake up like halfway through the main event or after the entrances normally. Mm-hmm. I was 
stay up late, so normally I'm just like out by that point. I mean, yeah, twelve is twelve is pretty late. I mean, for anyone, that's that's. I mean, for me, I guess it's like six o'clock in the morning, like six o'clock at night. But yeah, no, I guess it depends on the day. But yeah, no, it's it's still pretty late. I was exhausted by the end there, and it was still a great show. I thought I would definitely put this up there as one of the better ones they've done. Um, we will get into that at the end, but let's talk about these matches match by match here, starting with the buy-in. Kurashida and Thunder Rosa knocking out Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose in tag team action. Um, I know they did Sheeta and Rose last night on Dynamite in the next round of the AEW TBS Women's Championship Tournament, and then Rosa and Hayter have a match coming up as well in the tourney. Um, thoughts in the match? I, I thought it was pretty basic, so uh, nothing bad. I thought it was a good match for what it was, and they got some of the women's stars on the show. They got a second women's match, which is good. Uh, pretty basic stuff here, though, I thought. Yeah, just a basic tag team match here. Honestly, I thought Jamie Hayter, I, I've been a pretty big fan of hers lately, and I feel like she shined a lot in this match. I feel like she did most of the work for the heels, um, but I thought she looked she looked good. Honestly, I was slightly surprised the baby faces won. I figured you want to get some more heat on the heels um, going into the the two single matches, either a lot, I don't even know who won last night, and then I'm assuming Hater and Thunder Rosa are probably on Rampage. So mm-hmm. I didn't. I figured to get a little more heat on them, but yeah. Besides that, I thought it was a good match. Just kind of a little bit surprised by the outcome. And not only that, too, but the storyline injury for Sheeta because she was injured by Deeb in storyline a few weeks ago when we were there in Boston for Dynamite. So I'm a little surprised too that they did that as the finish. Not a bad finish. I was a little surprised by that as well. With Hater, do you think? Long term, I think she can be a real asset to this division. I think she's really good from what I've seen so far. I wasn't overly familiar with her pre, you know, pre AEW. Um, do you think she has the potential to break away from Britt Baker as a babyface, or does she fit more like a? I mean, she feels more like a heel to me. So I don't know if it's going to be like a Wardlow MJF dynamic. Uh, yeah, I feel like she screams heel, but I don't know. Like you, I feel like depending on the real issues, you could. I mean, technically, you could turn her face. On Britt, but Britt's like a baby, like a fucking babyface heel. So like, if Hater turned on her, they wouldn't cheer her. They would, they would boo her. So yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those dynamics. It's like when you have heels that aren't really heels to the crowd, you really can't turn her. Because like if and then if Britt beat the shit out of Hater, people would still cheer. So uh, it's tough right now. If 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 Britt was an actual heel, people would get behind Hater, but I just don't think they will at this point. Maybe Baker can be the one to go babyface, but not really change much about her character. She could just kind of embrace the crowd more, which, again, she does all the time anyway with the whole DMD thing, which it's loud and it's cool and whatever, but I feel like she and Adam Cole go to the same school of being a heel in that they don't exactly turn the crowd against them. I feel like they embrace the audience more than they turn them against them. No, they're both, like, cool heels. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it makes regret your reactions, but it doesn't exactly make the, uh, doesn't exactly benefit the baby faces at all. And we'll get to Baker a little bit later on with the match that she had on the show. But opening the event, MJF versus Darby Allen. I thought this was a great match from both guys. Uh, I'm a big Allen fan. I'm a big MJF fan. I know you are as well. I thought they went out there and killed it, despite never having a one-on-one match before in this company. Um, opened the show on a high note, literally and figuratively, and MJF went over with the victory. So, um, again, I thought this was a great opener. My whole thing, as was yours a week ago, that MJF of the two, despite both coming off of losses at All Out, MJF was the better choice to win, and I'm glad he did. So, your thoughts on the opening match here between Allen and MJF? Oh, I thought this was the, probably the best match of the night, honestly. Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> good stuff between both guys. Um, definitely start off good. And, I mean, MJF hasn't wrestled a lot, which is good because it keeps him more more special. But I honestly think it was probably him and Darby's best match. I mean, 
definitely the right match to open just because it was hard hitting. Had it literally had a little bit of everything, and it was it was long. I mean, I don't know how long. It was definitely over twenty minutes. I know that for a fact, but it didn't seem that long. Like it was one of those matches that it, it could go on for another twenty minutes, and it just flew by because it was just so action packed and it was back and forth and had the crowd invested the entire time. So definitely, definitely the best match for both these guys, and definitely sets them up well for the future. On that note, before I forget, I know we've discussed this before, but your thoughts on the match times with this show? Because this one went over 20 minutes, and I was fine with that because it was a great match. <clears throat> like, the tag team match, I think, went over well over 20 minutes, as did, I think, Danielson and Miro, too. Um, a lot of these... Like, the only the shortest match in the show was eight minutes, and that was Punk and Kingston, which you would think would get more time, but I thought that was perfect for what it was. If it wasn't eight, maybe it was like 11. Um, but your thoughts on a lot of these matches being given so much time, and obviously they know they're going four hours, so they're going to take full advantage of that and give these matches a lot of time and have more matches and get as many people on the show as possible. But again, it also, it's a double-edged sword because you get a longer show and people are tired by the end and stuff like that. So uh, and any match in the show off the top of your head that you remember that you would not want to see or that you would have rather seen go a little bit shorter than it did? I mean, they didn't have to do the Cody tag match. They could have literally nixed that one. Yep. That was kind of... I mean, they had a story there, but it was not pay-per-view worthy. Yeah, that could have easily been a main event on Dynamite. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But uh, the better tag team match of the two... We had a lot of tag team matches on the show. Um, but the first one saw... Or on the main card, anyway. Lucha Bros defend the AEW World Tag Team titles against FTR, the AAA World Tag Team titles, or World Tag Team Champions. But only the AEW World Tag Team Championships were on the line here. Again, another great match. I thought the Styles Clash was great. Um, they've had a couple of matches before on Dynamite. This was easily the best of the bunch. Um, just a tag team clinic here. FTR are just another level, and I'm a big Lucha Bros fan. So I thought this was great. The only knock against it, and I know you feel the same way. Um, I, I think we discussed this. The finish just came off incredibly lame to me. I know what they were going for with like the illegal man being pinned. And I think Fightful added a little bit to it the other day by saying that I think... Horowood got concussed, or he was banged up, or sent for a loop, or whatever, um, and I think that fucked with the finish, and that's why it came off a little bit awkwardly. Obviously, the intent was to build to another match. Um, I know they're doing another match at the AAA show coming up in a couple of weeks for the AAA tag team title, so maybe that was always the intent. I don't know, but I love the match. I was not a big fan of the finish, though. No, I thought it was a good match. The finish, like you said, was was awful. I just it was one of the, it felt like a WWE finish. And not like they're all terrible, but it just kind of seemed like a random, out of the blue finish to a match. It was good, but like you said before, it just the first three matches. I'm looking here just on a quick Wikipedia. Like that was the first hour. I mean, those are that's a long for three matches. Those are that's a long time. So I thought there was a good match. I like both teams. Um, if anything, the finish I guess sets up a future. I mean, because technically the wrong person got pinned. So I mean, I know this, they're probably going to keep it going, but. I don't know, sometimes on pay-per-view you don't like want to get like dinked around, so I thought it was a good match, but I think the finish kind of marred this to most people. Yeah, the crowd seemed like they were confused, too. I mean, I was waiting for the referee to see, oh, that's not the legal man, let's restart the match, because it looked like the referee was like analyzing the situation for a second before they, you know, they just continued on, and the, and the match was over, and they moved on to the next thing, so I was a little surprised by that. That kind of, you know, uh, threw me for a loop a little bit, and that I thought they would restart it, they didn't. Is what it is. I'm not complaining about more matches. I think these two teams work very well together. But the way as far as the finish was booked, and I agree with you, the pay-per-view should be more 
ending stuff with finality as opposed to keeping the door... Keeping the door open for stuff is fine, but I feel like in this case, it just wasn't very well executed. Uh, Brian Danielson Miro in the finals of the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament. I was very surprised uh, this went on third. Not a big deal in retrospect, but I thought it was like the second biggest match on the show behind the main event, and we got it third. Um, I thought this was another very good match, though. They just beat the shit out of each other. Um, I know you're not a big... You slap me, I slap you type of person, but uh, this wasn't really as much as it was with the Eddie Kingston match that we saw on Rampage in Boston a few weeks ago with Danielson. Um, A little less than that, but I don't know. I think Miro's continuing to show on these big match positions that he can hold his own. I went with Danielson, you went with Miro. This one could have easily gone either way, but in the end, it was Danielson picking up the victory and becoming the new number one contender to the AEW World Championship. Um, So your thoughts on the match itself and I don't want to say surprise ending of Danielson winning, but um, did you have an issue with it? What were your thoughts on the outcome as well? No, you know what problem with it. I thought it was, he, I mean, he should have won. I just don't really want to see Babyface versus Babyface, Brian versus uh, Hangman. I mean, I didn't see AEW last night, but I heard like Brian was more of like a heel or being kind of more of a heely, so that definitely helps. I mean, I feel like, not that he's a heel per se, but like he does very heelish things, so... I mean, it can work, and I think it's going to be a great match regardless. But uh, I thought this was a good match. Miro looked good. I mean, this is what they should have been doing with him in the first place instead of being a video game loser with Kip Sabian. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, took about a, it took us almost about a year, but, you know, we figured it out. He's all better now, and yeah. uh, I think they've done a lot of good work with him. I'm very interested to see what they do with him next. Like, I wouldn't hate him and Cody next, but we'll see. And then we'll probably get... Uh, like Dusty versus the Russians again, but it'll be Cody versus uh, the Bulgarians. <laughs> what is this, Rusev circa 2015? Is he going to come out in the tank again? I hope so. I would love if they brought the tank back, only for him to lose again to Cody. Oh my God, could you imagine? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. That would be amazing, as in it would be absolutely terrible. Because I remember when Miro lost. I, I, I will never get over that. And you specifically. We, It's definitely in the archives, pal. Check the archives. You were like... He came out in a fucking tank and he lost. How do you come out in a tank and you lose? And his career was all downhill in the company after that. Time to bring it up. <laughs> At least he's rebounding nicely in AEW. Like you said, I don't really know where they go with him from here. I'm sure we got a lot of answers on Dynamite. We just don't know because we haven't seen the show yet. I'm going to find out a little bit later. Um, but Miro and Cody isn't a bad idea. Uh, Cody is just beyond directionless. So maybe they can find their way into that feud somehow. We got the super click, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks versus Christian Cage and Jurassic Express in a six-man Falls Count Anywhere tag team match. Uh, This was all over the place. I enjoyed it, but I will say this was definitely the weakest match on the show up to this point. And probably, uh, looking at the entire card, probably one of the weakest matches, period. Um, This followed by Cody and Pac versus Malachi and Andrade was like the lowest point of the show. Um, I don't know why you would do a Falls Count Anywhere street fight on the same show where you would do a Minneapolis street fight. Um, I thought they made good use of the stipulation, a lot of chaotic shit and whatever. I know you're not a big Bucks fan. I totally get that. Um, I thought they made the most of the stipulation, but I don't know. I mean, they, they it was a good match. Another one of those matches where if I had to pick off one or two matches from this show, this would be one of them. And it, was the, it wasn't the fact it was a hardcore match. It was the fact that it was just... I don't know, it just went overly long, way too fucking long. I think that was my biggest knock against the match. It was like over 20 minutes when it easily could have been 12 or 13, if that. So, um, I'm glad the Super Click, or rather, I'm, I'm glad Jurassic Boy, uh, Jurassic Boy, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage went over, though. So, I, I appreciated the outcome. 
No, I thought this was a good match. Um, I just, I mean, I'm not a big fan of street fights, especially, or no, this was false count anywhere, whatever. It's same difference. Basically a street fight at that point. So I thought it was fine. Like, it's just the only issue I had with this was like later on in the show, we basically got the same thing just with different people. Obviously, they did different spots, but I mean, when they pull out every weapon under the sun and then later on the night, they pull out even more ridiculous things, it kind of makes the second one like, it kind of hurts the first one. But I mean, I'm fine that I'm cool and lose. I mean, that's probably the, the biggest outcome of this match, and I'm hoping this kind of starts playing the seeds for the breakup between Cole and the Elite. I hope it leads to the breakup of both trios. I don't think Cage needs to be with Jurassic Express. I don't think Cole needs to be with the Bucks. Uh, we talked a little bit about an Undisputed Era Elite match last week and how awesome that would be. Or no, did we? I don't remember. I'm trying to think. Oh, no, we did. We, we did. We saw the interaction on Dynamite. I'm trying to think if we saw it on Rampage or not, but it was on Dynamite. Um, I think I mentioned this to you, but could you see a scenario where maybe Christian Cage tries to drive a wedge between Jungle Boy and, and Luchasaurus and maybe he's the one to go heel here and that's where this is going? Because it seemed like he was kind of pushing Jungle Boy to be the one to use the concerto, kind of go to the dark side a little bit. I'm glad we're getting more of a serious Jungle Boy, um, but I'm thinking this might lead to a Cage heel turn where he turns on Jungle Boy and that's the feed we get from there. Yeah, I mean, it's if, if you want to keep Jungle Boy's momentum going and kind of being like that white meat baby face or just pushing him as a big baby face, I mean, Christian turning on him, I mean, that'll definitely get him a lot of a lot of cheers from the crowd. And I feel like Christian's better as a heel, honestly. I feel like he's kind of like that slimy, just like Edge. I feel like they're both just kind of like slimy mm-hmm. heels. I think that, that would help Jungle Boy a lot. I mean, I don't really care about him and Luchasaurus, but I feel like Jungle Boy has a ton of potential by himself. Yeah, I think it'd be better. I, I like Jurassic Express, but I just think there's not much more. If they're not going to put the tag titles on them, which they won't, they already lost the Lucha Bros a few months ago. They've lost every shot and they've gotten at the tag team titles. It's just, I think it's weird they would have never put the belts on them, but I guess it was, was never the right time because they're just so over. But at this point, I would rather see them focus more on uh, Jungle Boy is a single star. I'm a little surprised, too. I just realized randomly the other day, um, we haven't seen Marco stunt in a while, which I'm very pleasantly surprised by. I mean, good. He brings nothing to the nothing to the, to the act. <laughs> I feel like AEW is slowly moving on from like the gimmicky Joey Janela's Marco stunts, the GCW goofs. And his, I mean, not everything on the show is great, obviously. A lot of the elite stuff is really too goofy for me personally, but... I feel like they're slowly weeding out some of those goofy indie acts that we were getting in the early days of AEW. Well, easily now. They're actually getting stars now. Actually, stars absolutely handed to them by the WWE. So, <laughs> I, I feel like this show was probably one of the... No, I don't know if it's the first one, but this, this show, basically, every match had a little WWE in it, basically. Um, and it, I feel like it showed. I feel like it was a pretty, pretty well-wrestled show, and... Besides the opener, I'm looking here. Every other match had someone from WWE at least one time in WWE in this match. So I thought it was. I think once you start getting legitimate stars, you can start weeding out the the people that they just brought in at first. So they needed talent, but I mean they are building a, a hell of a roster, and I feel like the shows are showing that. Yeah, most definitely, I agree. I would agree with that. Like I said, I agree with Christian Cage being better as a heel as well. And you know who's better as a heel too? Cody Rhodes, and he was back in action on the show, <laughs> teaming with Pack against Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. What happened, dude? Did we go with the same prediction? I would have to check the archives, but I know I picked Cody and Pack because I'm like, listen, it makes more sense for Black and Andrade to win, but knowing. The Cody booking, he will win. And granted, he didn't pick up the pinfall when Pac did. 
but I figured his team would win despite not being an actual team, and that's exactly what happened. Did you expect that as well? Was that your prediction too? Yeah, I think I said it makes sense for Malachi and Andrade to win, but Cody and Pac will win. (laughs) I just, also one thing I just, so this match just didn't need to happen, one. Like, this was 16 minutes and 52 seconds too long. (laughs) Uh, And it's just, the one thing I also didn't get about this, like, yeah, Pac and Cody, like, they didn't get along. But then randomly, like, Andrade and Malachi Black teased tension the entire time. Like, they've been on the same side the last, like, two or three weeks and all of a sudden this whole match like everyone's doing back slap tags and they're like all mad at each other and the matches didn't need to happen like if they nixed this match off the show they honestly would have been, I think it would have been higher in the rating system this match just like was dead middle and it just did nothing for anyone and it was just too long no it wasn't even like this great blow away match which is at least what I was hoping for but it was a good match but it was it honestly first of all paled in comparison to everything else on the show didn't need to happen had the wrong outcome and it told that same stupid story that we've seen in WWE for months, years now. The whole can they coexist bullshit. We got more of that in this match. And the wrong team won. Cody and Pac won. And again, dude, it leaves you asking the question. What is next for Cody Rhodes? I feel like we ask this every other week, and not let alone the pay-per-views, but like every fucking week. Because uh, we don't know. Um, you know, Black and Andrade left them laying afterwards. We haven't seen Dynamite yet, so obviously this might be irrelevant if we found out on Wednesday. Um... Does this lead to more Black and Cody matches? Andrade and Cody 2, Black and Cody 4, Cody Pack, who gives a shit? Like, where does this go from here, you think? I honestly don't know. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch Dynamite, so when I watch it later, I can text you and laugh whenever they come. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I, I mean, I don't need to see him in Black, like, another time. Even him and Andrade, like, just move on. Like I said, maybe Miro, but I feel like Miro needs to win, and Cody's just weird. I don't know. Yeah, Cody's in that weird spot where he's not being, like, he he's so 50-50, like, I'm glad he's not winning every match, but, you know, he lost to Black twice, and then he beat him, he lost to Andrade, but he won here, like, there's no consistency there with the character, and hey, he said he will not turn, so that means he's not going to turn, right? I can't believe we were there for that promo. He literally, I mean, obviously we couldn't hear it behind the drunk dumbass behind us, but, um, you know, the guy just spoke into the promo. He spoke into the mic during his promo and said, I will not turn. I can't believe we were there for that because that was one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Dude, he workshopped it. It was funny. (laughs) Workshopped it. Oh, God, Cody, never change. Uh, Brett Baker versus Ty Conti for the AEW Women's World Championship. I actually really enjoyed this match. My problem with it, as I, you said the exact same thing, was that Conti hits everything in her arsenal, um, including some dumb, like, I mean, MJF did this too, but like the dumb apron spots, shit that you won't remember tomorrow. Um, I really liked the match. Conti had a star-making performance in defeat. The problem is that she hits her finisher like six times, or not one finisher, but like her various finishing maneuvers. And she never goes for a pinfall. Same thing with Baker, too. Or she did, and then she kicked out. And then she lost. I mean, if she lost with Baker's, like, with a curb stomp or whatever, I would get it. But then she lost with a fucking roll-up. Again, same thing. This falls in the same category as the FTR Lucha Bros match for me, where I thought it was a great match, but it was marred by a dumb finish. I just was not a fan of that. Yeah, I mean... The most dangerous move in AEW is a pinfall. It's a, roll-up. It's a <laughs> WWE too, both of them, I think. Oh my god! Like I said, like I thought this match was good, but then he gets to the point, just like when does it end? Like you said, Ty Conti literally hit every move in her arsenal, pulled out all this ridiculous stuff. Like you said, apron spots, like hitting all these ridiculous moves, all these like signature, like what would basically be a finisher or 
a signature move, and Britt Baker kicked out all of them. And then Britt Baker, like, hit it with a curb stop, didn't pin her. Like, it was just a weird match. And I just feel like when you hit every move under the sun and then you lose by a, a roll-up, it's just like, I just don't get it. It's like, it's not like she was, like, knocked out and got rolled up. She just got rolled up and lost. Like, I don't understand. It's just, it's a double, it's a, such a wrestling, like, I don't know if I want to say trope, but it's just like a dumb thing that happens wrestling. And they hit every move under the sun. This person's, like, just about to, like, pick them up to pin, like, to do something to them. The person just rolls them up for three and they lose. It's just, like, you can't hit every move and lose like that. It just makes no sense. It's, like, insulting to me that you had to happen. I think it goes back to the philosophy that you don't have to protect everyone. Like, I mean, we weren't there for it. We left, but... Uh, Baker versus Abaddon on Rampage. Abaddon lost with the fucking roll-up. Why are you protecting Abaddon? She hasn't been on the show since. She wasn't on the show before that. Why are you protecting Abaddon? I love Conti. I would rather see Conti be protected. But the thing is, dude, because of the performance that she had, I don't think you have to beat her with a roll-up. It's not like they're going to a rematch either, I don't think. They're probably going to move on from this starting, if they haven't already on Dynamite. We haven't, I don't know yet. But I don't, I, I feel like, whatever happened to people putting in a great performance and then just losing clean? Like, I, Baker, even if she cheated, I might have been more okay with it. But the whole roll-up shit, I feel like, accomplishes nothing. I feel like they don't want to do a DQ, but they also don't want to beat her clean. So they go to that middle ground where it's like, oh, let's beat her with a roll-up. And it's like, it's so lazy. Yeah, but you have the two other stooges there with Rebel and Jamie Hayter. Just have one of them fucking screw over Conti and never win. That's another thing, too. You mentioned that, not now, but when we talked about it initially. Where was Anna Jay? That was never explained. I don't know. Where was Anna Jay or Thunder Rosa? I mean, what the hell? They just let her up there. And, and, like that's another thing I just never understood. The heel has these has these like associates with them. Like last week on Dynamite, there was a the three on. There was a six man tag with Bray, Baker, Rebel, and Hater versus Conti, Rosa, and Jay. Then this time they just come out with their friends, and then they start beating up on Conti, and none of her friends come out. Is she like is she a loser? Like I don't get it. <laughs> That made no sense. I know Rosa was then obviously the buy-in match, but Anna Jay came out a little bit later on, so it's not like she was hurt or she was busy. I don't know what she was doing in the back with Dark Order, but I mean, this she wasn't out here for this match, though, which was just bizarre to me. Maybe they explained it on Wednesday, but there, there's more logic gaps in the story in the storytelling than I think people let on. I completely agree. Move on to CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. This was one of my favorite matches of the night, personally. It was on the shorter side. It was exactly what it needed to be. Um, got some color in there. Just beat the shit out of each other. It was more of a fight than a match. Um, this was more entertaining than any of the fights that CM Punk had in the UFC. This is what that's exactly what it felt like to me. Um, Punk losing or Punk winning rather with a GTS on Kingston. This was a perfect example of go in, get your shit in, and get out. Like no thirty-minute storytelling epic. Like you can do that with some stuff. Um, like the main event, I was fine with that. But for this match, for a few that just got started, there was no reason for this to be any more than 15 minutes. And they ended up going like 8 or 9 or 10 or something. But I thought this was exactly what it needed to be, and I very much enjoyed it while it lasted, personally. No, this is like your, this is a this is a fight, like you said. It wasn't really a match. It was a nice fight. Went 11 minutes, and it was need, the person that won, won. And it's what it needed to be. It, like, it's nothing special, nothing sexy about it, but it was what it needed to be on the shorter side, which... When you have fucking seven-hour shows, is definitely needed, and it was what it was. I thought it was a good match. Can't complain. Only nitpick, Eddie's got to win more when it matters most. The guy always loses whenever it matters most. When was the last match he won on pay-per-view? I don't know. Honestly, it's, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing about this feud that is not that I didn't like about it, but it's like, 
they do it in WWE all the time too. It's like they push this person up, and then they act like they're going to be like this big world beater, and then then every match they go to and that matters, they lose. So it's like I didn't. It's not like I knew. I like, and I thought there was zero chance that Punk was going to lose. So like, it was good as it lasted, but I mean, Kingston needs to win a lot. Like, needs to be. I don't even know. Protected more is a better word, but like he needs to be booked better because. Jesus Crow, I feel like he hasn't won a big match and probably, honestly, maybe ever. I mean, no, I don't I'm think he ever has. Quick, yeah, I'm doing a quick search. He lost it all out. He lost the double or nothing. I was gonna say, I think he was. I think he's 0 and five or 0 and six on pay per view, dude. <laughs> I'm not he even lost kidding. Lost that full gear last year and he lost it all out last year. Yeah, he hasn't won <laughs> any pay per view matches yet. He hasn't won a single one. Come on, man. I mean, but hey, if this was his WWE, his though. biggest wins against like Lance Archer randomly it looks yeah. like. Yeah, on Dynamite. On Dynamite, yeah. yeah Besides I mean, that, his only other like bigger wins are when, when he was teaming with Moxley. Exactly, I was going to say, yeah. He won a Grand Slam, but that was a tag team match. Without Moxley, that guy's a bum. Punk wasn't wrong when he called him a bum. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> by, de- by definition, he's a loser. <laughs> he is a loser, and I love Eddie Kingston, and... I have yet to finish that that article that he wrote. I mean, it was from a week ago. I got to catch the fuck up. But um, the guy's awesome. He's got to fucking win more. It doesn't matter heel, face, tweener. The guy always loses whenever it matters most. And they got to fix that. I'm not even saying he should have won here. But they got to program this guy with someone who he's going to beat. He has literally gone for every championship multiple times and has lost every single time. If you look at his win-loss record... He's gotten two world title shots, lost them both. Got two TNT title shots, lost them both. Got two tag team title shots, lost them both. Maybe he can enter the women's division and beat Britt Baker for that belt because this guy screams like a loser to me personally from a storyline standpoint. What a meanie. <laughs> Let's get to the Minneapolis street fight here. Inner Circle versus Men of the Year in American Top Team. Again, another match that had no reason needing, it had no reason being on the show. Um, just was not a fan of this at all. It, the match was fine, but the toaster and the hockey stick and the fact that it started out as a 10-man tag team match with tags when it's a street fight was pretty lame. I mean, I hated this match. It, like you said, <laughs> it was the same thing as the first match with the with the Jurassic Express versus the Super Click, but it just, like, I didn't understand why they were tagging, and then randomly just broke out a big schmoz, and then they had all these random weapons... People were just laughing. You know, it's funny, so not, why not just laugh at it? I mean, it was dumb. It was 19 minutes and 52 seconds. I could have got back. No one will remember tomorrow. I, I don't know where you really go with the inner circle after this because it really it was just like a stupid program. It was just a waste of time, and I, I don't know. Hey, but Jericho <laughs> beat MGF, though. He got that big win. Stop. I still like don't understand that, but whatever. <laughs> How bad is that in retrospect? Like, they have done nothing with... Not saying that Jericho should be, like, fighting for the world title right now. Him and Paige might be interesting because they have the history. But, like, they've done nothing with Jericho, like, meaningful. This was just a complete waste of time. And I like Dan Lambert. He got his comeuppance. I'm glad they didn't... I was I was worried for a second. They might have the heels win again so they can build the Jericho and Lambert one-on-one. No thanks. Like, I don't need to see Jericho versus Masvidal. I don't need to see Jericho versus anyone, but... That specifically would be pretty bad. Men of the year, who gives a shit? This, this whole feud was a complete waste of time and a complete waste of the TNT title. I can't, I'm not going to argue, so I'm just going to say, yep. I mean, they got to take the... I, I don't know. I haven't watched Dynamite yet, so maybe they had Jay Lethal beat him for the championship. I don't know. But I love Sammy, but they've done absolutely nothing with him. And it goes to show that they should not have had Sammy win the championship when they did. If they had no plans for him, then why would you put the belt on him? It makes no sense. Um, but that I be- feel like, though, with the TV title, they don't really have, like, set plans. I feel like they just, like, defend it randomly. So it's like, 
no real like feud, I guess. I agree with that, but at least when Allen was champion, when Cody was champion, even Miro to a certain extent, they were defending it pretty regularly on TV. Like, I agree with you. I have no issue with them not having feuds over the thing. But Guevara's, I mean, he had a third one last night. But he only had two title defenses. One was extremely predictable against Ethan Page. And they had the Bobby Fish one a week after he won it, which was in late September. So, like, I feel, or early October, maybe. I don't know. I just feel like they could be doing more with Sammy as champion. I'm glad he defended it last night. But I just feel like it's a complete waste of the championship right now. Like, I feel like they should be defending the belt on pay-per-view, too. Not this 10-man tag team bullshit. I agree. Especially when the show already had a million other tag team matches. But speaking of Jay Lethal, let's talk about that real quick. Um, he is the latest addition to the AEW roster being introduced by Tony Schiavone on the stage. Uh, jumping chip from Ring of Honor to AEW. Now, Lethal's been in Ring of Honor for the better part of the past decade. Um, he was in Ring of Honor originally like 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, went to TNA's Black Machismo. And I think his new AEW music is Randy Savage inspired. It's like called Pomp and Circumstance or whatever it's called. Um, so they have that going for him in AEW as well. But yeah, he is now officially All Elite. Um, joining AEW, we got an AEW TNT title shot last night. Don't know if he won yet. Um, I, As someone who's been watching Ring of Honor consistently for the last decade, I thought this is a great signing, and I think he can be great for like their mid-card. And he's not like a Bobby Fish, where it's going to be they're putting people over all the time. I feel like Lethal's a bigger star than that. So um, I know you don't you know watch Ring of Honor consistently, but I want to get your thoughts on Lethal joining the AEW roster. I only know him from TNA when I used to watch TNA, like you said, as Black Machismo. Yep. Uh, good stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think he's a good signing. I just, I feel like they just, they have so many people right now that I feel like are kind of lost. Like, yep. I like Jay Lethal. I just feel like they're starting, like, the roster already is starting to get kind of bloated. So, hopefully they can kind of figure out more spots or other people. But it seems like there's a, pl- I mean, there's plenty of people that aren't even on this show that I feel like should be getting more. TV time, so we'll see what happens, but I mean, I think, all in all, it's a good signing. Brian Cage who? <laughs> what is Team Taz doing right now, dude? Come they're on. They're on the balcony watching the show. They're scowling. <laughs> that means they have plans for him. Just because they're on the show, that does not mean that people, oh, they got something going. No, they don't, dude. They don't. Jericho. Scouting. Scouting. They were scouting a year ago, too. Why even break up Brian Cage from Team Taz that they weren't going to do anything with anyone involved? They haven't done anything. Funny. Joke. Stupid. Maybe Starks is still hurt, but Hobbs should be on TV more, too. I mean, he had some momentum, and they completely wasted it by having him lose to, let me check my notes, fucking Orange Cassidy. I mean, that was stupid. I just, I don't know. I, I don't get that at all. And uh, I think people give it, listen, I think Tony Khan has, I, I, I trust him more than I don't as far as his booking stuff goes, but I don't want to give him too much credit. I was listening to Jericho's podcast the other day when he was talking about the Jungle, uh, Jungle Cruise, the uh, Jericho Cruise. And Tony Khan told him, and it, like months in advance, yeah, you can probably have Starks and Hobbs on your cruise. Because like they put people on the cruise that had to pull out because they needed them for Dynamite that weekend or whatever. But he gave them Starks and, and Hobbs in advance because he had to have known by like July or August. He had no plans for them whatsoever. So like they're completely expendable to the point where they don't have to be on Dynamite. That, that's pretty sad that we've gone to that point with those guys. Yeah, I mean, they were a focal point like earlier on the year. And I feel like... And they're another ones like they're like another group that can't shoot straight. I mean, they haven't won anything that mattered. So, hey, FTW title. Stop. <laughs> Once you get to a point and you make it a regularity to, to the crowd that these people aren't serious or they can't win anything, that's when the people just don't care anymore. And honestly, at this point, I love Powerhouse. I feel like he has a lot of potential. I love Taz. 
Starks is great. Love Hook. I just feel like at this point, no, like most people just don't care because they're just never on TV, and when they are, they lose. Yeah, it's it's they're in a pretty bad spot right now. Maybe they came out and had this big feud, you know, started last night, but what them against Inner Circle? Like, who gives a shit? I'm not saying that's where they're going with it, but I just scouting. Scout who? Who the fuck is going to join the group when they've accomplished absolutely nothing? It makes no sense. We'll get to the main event here. Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega of the AEW World Championship. Highly anticipated matchup. I thought it lived up to the hype. Not much to say about it other than I thought it was an excellent match and maybe not even the best of the night, but um, got good time. They had good counters. They kind of made you think there for a second. Omega might win. You were on the fence a week ago, so you know I was on the fence too. There was a very real possibility of Page losing here and Omega retaining and then building to another match, which would have been absolutely stupid, I think. Um, but this was the time to pull the trigger. They did. Page new champion, and it was what it needed to be. They had the uh, one ref bump. <clears throat> they didn't go too overboard with any interference, which I liked. We didn't see the good brothers come out. I, they haven't used them at all lately, which I have no complaints about that at all. But, um, yeah, no good brothers. The Bucks came out. They didn't do anything, though. So Page like, gave him a nod, or Matt Jackson gave Page a nod, hit the buckshot lariat, and that was it. My only nitpick about the match, as we discussed on Saturday, was that they didn't do the one-winged angel kickout spot. Now, I feel like, obviously, you could save it for some other point down the road, but what other match is Omega going to be involved in that's bigger than this? Maybe him and Punk or something? But I don't know, dude. I really feel like they should have done it here and had Paige kick out and then have him win the buckshot lariat, but that's just me. I mean, if they did a rematch and he hit him with it and he kicked out, that'd be pretty big. Yeah, uh, I, I could. that's maybe the only other situation where I could see them doing it, yeah. But yeah, besides that, I mean, I thought the match stuff was good. Um, I don't have any like real complaints. I thought it was good. Um, it was what needed to happen. No interference was like like you said. Only the the minor ref bump, but nothing like over the top. And the right person won, so I can't complain there. Just the only thing was I was exhausted at this point. So yeah. it's great to see Hangman win, but for the love of God, you can. You can trim some time off these shows, please. Yeah, Tony Khan, again, was adamant about it being a four-hour show. I just don't know why you can't start it earlier. Like, WrestleMania is four hours, but usually, I mean, they didn't do it this year, but because the two, you know, it's two days now, but in years past, I mean, obviously, they went into well past midnight for WrestleMania, but like years ago, before they went past midnight, they would call it a four-hour show, but they would start it at seven o'clock, so I thought it would be a lot easier Eastern time, so then it would be over by 11. I think that's a lot more tolerable. Yeah, but maybe it's easier for West Coast people because it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know what the excuse is for them, but they, they, they got to trim some time off the shows. They literally went till midnight. And I get it. They only do four shows a year. I'm, I'm honestly, I don't have a big problem with them being four hours. I've complained about that before. <clears throat> it's just the fact that for us on the East Coast, it ends at midnight, which, listen, I know UFC pay-per-views don't start until like one o'clock in the morning sometimes, but I just, as a wrestling fan, I'm not a big fan of that, but... No, I enjoyed the match. Um, I, you know, we already kind of talked about this last week, but with the page and the Omega stuff and the Bucks and whatever, where do you see this going? Where do you want to see it go? And I still see a possibility of Page or uh, Cole rather not being involved because he didn't come out here. The Bucks did. Cole did not. So I could see Cole kicking them to the curb, joining up with Bobby Fish full time and Kyle O'Reilly if he does indeed leave NXT and hopefully so when he dishes fucking Von Wagner, and uh, we can get an elite you know, Undisputed Era program. I feel like it's even more likely now than it was a week ago when we initially pitched the idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the direction they're going in. It's, I'd rather see Adam Cole with, with Fish and O'Reilly or Fish and anyone else and with the Bucks. So, 
I'm fine with that. And then you can do them two and Kenny versus them. I bet. I mean, I saw Kenny's probably taking some time off for some injury stuff. So maybe we can do something and they maybe Cole and Fish versus them two in the interim, or maybe wait a little bit longer. But I mean, that's where I would go with it. Maybe Paige. Maybe Paige can link up with the Bucks. I don't know. I mean, I would <laughs> rather see him do his own thing. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, where do you think this show ranks among the other AEW pay per views we've gotten to date? Did that come to your uh, mind? I know we've had a lot of them so far. I mean, I would say probably one of my probably not probably eh, from watching it. Probably would say probably watching it's probably my favorite. Wow, okay. I mean, being at Double or Nothing the first show, obviously that's just a little bit different. Yeah, that was kind of like the foundation of it, and just seeing where it's come from there is like eye opening. Um, but no, I think watching wise, not like you said. If you, especially if you trim Cody, the Cody tag match and the inner circle match, I mean, it almost was a perfect show at that point. So, um, yeah, I, I had no problem with it. Yeah, I agree. They trimmed some of the filler matches. This is even a stronger show than it already was. But no, I, I, I love the show. I talked about it in the hashtag, but I think it was maybe top two. I thought All Out was slightly stronger. Um, it had a little less filler. Um, but either way, it's in the top two, and there's a lot of other good shows they've had as well. Um, yeah, no, I would love to go see, I don't know about Revolution or Double or Nothing or whatever it might be. Um, well, we got to do this again in the future. Maybe hopefully uh, we can go visit you. Don't you have a movie theater that showed it like right next to your house or something? I have no idea if any of the ones near me showed it. Didn't, uh, well, not this one specifically, but didn't, wasn't that the case with SummerSlam? Because didn't you look it up and you were like, oh yeah, there's one 10 minutes from my house and I still won't go or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a movie, I think a showcase cinema near me was showing it. I'm like, I'm just going to watch it at my house. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that would that would be it. Um, we'll see. Maybe next time we'll come visit you and whatever. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, we'll see. If not revolution, uh, definitely double or nothing. That'd be great. These, these shows are always better with Mister Marceau. Hey, little little B Dub Dubs action before and doesn't hurt either. Oh, that's so good. That was great. Love B Dub Dubs. Um, let's get into Survivor Series real quick before I let you go. This coming Sunday, we may or may not be there. <laughs> I still have no idea. Um, we got six matches on the docket as of right now. Brand supremacy, baby. Raw versus SmackDown. Let's start with the elimination matches, which could very well go well either way, and there's no stakes here, so who gives a shit? Um, a team Raw for the men, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, and Austin Theory replacing Rey Mysterio in Monday's Raw, despite Adam Pearce saying a week ago he wanted champions on the team. I like Austin Theory, but that just doesn't make any sense. Team SmackDown, Drew McIntyre, Jeff Hardy, King Woods, Happy Corbin, and still one more person to be announced on SmackDown because they took Zayn off the team a week ago. Um, to me, regardless of who joins Team SmackDown, this feels like an easy Team Raw win, especially considering that on Team Raw, I, I know Woods has been mixing it up with Roman re- uh, recently, but you have Rollins who has a title shot in his back pocket, Bobby just came back, he's hot right now, Theory has been undefeated since coming to Raw, Owens just turned heel, I feel like they would be it would be booking malpractice to have Team Raw lose this match for the men. I mean, Team Raw has to win, all these guys are either on a hot streak or in the main event scene, I mean, Woods, like you said, is kind of mixing up with, with uh, Reigns, but... Drew's kind of doing his own thing right now. Jeff Hardy, I mean, Happy Corbin, I mean, come on. And then who who knows who's going to be the TBA guy, but, I mean, this should be Team Raw, LOL. Any predictions, whether it be a Cesaro or a Sheamus or a um, Ridge Holland or maybe even Von Wagner joining Team SmackDown? God, I hope it's Sheamus. I hope it's Von Wagner just for the reaction. Just so we can come on here next week and shit all over it. Just so we can be there. And just completely shit on this thing if it's Von Wagner. And it's going to be the sole survivor, like Randy Orton in 03 and 04. No comment. <laughs> Terrible. Team Raw versus Team SmackDown for the women. 
We got for Team Raw, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Queen Zelina taking on Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, and Natalya. And again, one more person to be announced as Aaliyah was taken off a week ago. Thank God. Um, I assume the last spot goes to um, probably Tony Storm. She resurfaced on the show a week ago, so that would make the team stronger. I don't know if I would have Team Raw win both matches, so I'm going to go Team SmackDown here. Um, I know Team Raw has more... I don't want to say they work better together um, because the team hasn't changed yet, but Carmella and Zelina are at odds with Rhea Ripley, so I feel like that'll factor in somehow. Bianca's got something going on with with Dewdrop, and maybe she'll interfere or whatever, so who knows. And then Liv Morgan is the number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship, but SmackDown's got Sasha Banks they're protecting, Shotzi they're pushing right now, Natalya, who gives a shit. Shayna has been involved more recently with the Naomi stuff, um, but I feel like this has got to be a win for Team SmackDown, I think. Couldn't agree more. Um, I feel like Raw has more dissension on the team. They can leave it to, like, like I said, Dewdrop can cost Bianca, so she's out. Carmella and Zelina screw over Rhea. Then they just get beat, whatever. And then you just have Liv Morgan as, like, the one sole person on Raw. And then she doesn't look as bad if there's still, like, three or four people on SmackDown she loses. Yeah, no, I would, I would like to see Shotzi and, and um, uh, Sasha kind of cancel each other out. And then Shane is the sole survivor. And it's Shane, I think Shayna and Liv Morgan, I mean, this is what I wanted to see in the, in the finals of the Queen's Crown Tournament. Um, it kind of, I think that'd be a great dynamic and then Shayna ultimately wins and then that'd be cool. Um, any prediction for who the final spot could go to? Probably Tony, right? I would assume Tony since she came back on SmackDown like a week or two ago. Yeah. I mean, Naomi and Sonya got their thing going on, so it probably won't be either of them. Um, let's get to the champions matches here. Damian Priest for Shishinsuke Nakamura, zero build at all. Priest hasn't been on the show in weeks. Nakamura has been losing a lot lately, so it should be a great match, but the booking, it's hard to care. Uh, Priest is the one they're protecting now. I mean, the guy hasn't lost, I don't think, in, in many, many, many months. Um, I don't think he's ever lost a singles match on Raw, if I'm not mistaken. Nakamura has been losing left and right on SmackDown recently, so I feel like this is a slam dunk win for Damian Priest. I was going to say, you got to go Priest here. I feel like he's more more over. He's a bigger uh, like priority right now. Um, I like Shinsuke, but I mean, Priest hasn't lost it forever either, so you got to have Priest one here. Yeah, give him the big push. Keep pushing him towards the um, you know main event scene, and hopefully we see him in the world title picture before long. Uh, going to the Tag Team Champion Clash here. RK Bro, Raw Tag Team Champions against the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos. This one can go either way. I really don't know. I'm going to say the Usos? I know the Usos won on Monday's Raw in that six-man tag, so I guess the R- I guess RK Bro could win. I don't know, though. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling Usos' victory for some reason, maybe just to protect the bloodline. So I'm going to say Usos win this one. I'm saying RK, RK Bro wins this one. Keep... Keep Usos losing, keep Roman on their back. Okay. Keep I mean, I could so see, like, Omos coming out and screwing RK-Bro and Usos winning, but I feel like, eh, I get, eh. yeah, I'm going to go with RK-Bro, but, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the Usos won either. No, I could see this going either way. I, I didn't really think about that, but, yeah, the Usos could lose and leading the more dissension within the bloodline. That would make sense. Um, Raw Women's Champion versus SmackDown Women's Champion. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Again, another one that can go either way. Um, Becky's got more momentum right now, I think, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Charlotte win. I mean, Becky has beaten Charlotte far more often, I think, than Charlotte has beaten Becky. So Charlotte may need to win more, which is why I could see her winning. I don't know. I just feel like Becky's got a lot more going for her right now. She hasn't really lost a lot since coming back a few months ago. I'm going to go with Becky Lynch in this one. Yeah, I think Becky wins here. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on right now between them. 
Ric Flair can't stop running his mouth on Twitter. <laughs> the guy will I not feel, shut the fuck up. I, I feel like the company's more behind Becky. I, I would honestly be pretty shocked if she lost there. Did you see that Becky clip on, uh, I think it was Ariel Hawani show or whatever. I it did. Was. Oh I my. did. I died laughing. I, <laughs> the, the fact that I was, the funny thing is that I talked to her like, so she was in the car when I interviewed her yesterday. She was on her way to that appearance. And I was going to ask her about the Ric Flair stuff, but I just didn't have time to touch upon it. Um, but I was going to ask her, like, you know, because Becky's the type of person, like, she tweeted Charlotte because Charlotte, like, did some interview and she responded to it, whatever. Um, Becky's the type of person, it seems, to always respond to people taking shots at her if you're, like, someone of the notoriety of Ric Flair. And I always thought it, I thought it was weird that she didn't respond. So when she responded on the show and the guy asked her about it and she just said, you know, it's sad, man, that he was even commenting on this. I'm like, that's so true. I mean, I just... The dark side of the ring thing for Flair was like the final nail in the coffin because the guy was already a little sketchy, but it's been down. He's been taking L's ever since. Yeah, it's bad. He needs to get off Twitter. <laughs> he needs to get off Twitter, pal. That's just bad. Uh, main event of the show: Biggie versus uh, Roman Reigns, WWE Champion versus Universal Champion. I think looking at the stats here, I don't think the WWE Champion has ever won at Survivor Series in these champion versus champion matches, and that ain't going to change this year. Roman is definitely beating Big E. Uh, Roman has not been pinned at all since coming back over a year ago, and I like Big E a lot. I don't think Big E will be the one to beat him. Big E has lost while WWE Champion, so I don't think it's completely out of the ordinary for him to lose here as well. But I think it should be a great match. I don't think these two have ever gone one-on-one before, so I'm looking forward to it. But whether the Usos interfere or not and the New Day get involved, maybe, I still think it's a win for Roman Reigns. Yeah, the record's continuing. Roman Reigns is going to win here. Like you said, Biggie's lost his champion already, so it's not a big deal if he loses again. Roman's the man. There's possibly zero chance he loses. Based on what we saw in SmackDown last week, bonus question for you. What do you do with day one with the Universal Championship? Is it... Xavier Woods going for the title, or do you think they build up Drew or Jeff Hardy before then, or where do you see them going with that? I don't know. I mean, they they are kind of teasing that'll be Woods. I mean, I don't love that idea, but I mean, it's, it is what it is. I mean, I'd rather see I'd rather see them do that match on SmackDown next week, coming out of the pay per view. Personally, I like Woods a lot. I'm I'm glad he's getting a significant push. I think it's great. Just Xavier Woods versus Roman Reigns on paper to me, and you know, whatever match Roman is involved in is the main event. I mean, it almost always is. So that's why I feel like it would be weird if he lost. And not not lost, but I feel like it'd be weird if it was Woods in that spot and not someone like a Jeff or I mean, I know Jeff's lost a lot lately too, but he's a bigger name than Xavier Woods. So I mean I technically you could have like Xavier help Biggie beat Roman. Yep. And then you could do them too. Maybe, so Yeah. Maybe maybe Biggie will be the person to beat Roman. I, yeah, not, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't so. be upset with that, but I just wouldn't do it personally. Yeah, I'm against it. Yeah, I would save that first loss for whenever he loses the championship, but that's just me, and I know you agree as well. Um, but that's going to do it for Survivor Series, Mr. Marceau, coming up on Sunday. Look forward to hopefully seeing you then. We'll see. I, like I said, we've seen you a lot lately, and I look forward to seeing you for potentially a third time, a post-birthday celebration. And uh, Barclay is your favorite city in the world in Brooklyn, New York. No comment. <laughs> Maybe we can go see Lion King together if we're in the area. Christ, please, no. What a shit show. Uh, Mr. Marceau, any parting thoughts before you ride off into the sunset here? I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Man of little words today. Man of little words. I love it, Mr. Marceau. Have a great rest of your day, brother. I'll catch your ass hopefully soon, and I'll talk to you uh, after Dynamite. Hopefully we can uh, text our thoughts on that back and forth. All right, sounds good. See you, brother. Have a good one. See you later.